Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. When a man is experiencing abuse, like we've talked about a little bit earlier, anyone, anywhere, anytime can experience abuse. And abuse is all about having that power and control over another individual. And I think media and things that we've seen in TV and movies and books, they show us that abuse is only physical. That's mm-hmm. the only thing, that's the only way people are experiencing abuse. But that's just not the truth. There are so many different forms of abuse that extend beyond physical battery. And so when we think of the things that we've seen in TV, it's usually a man being physical towards a woman. Once again, Katie Schauman is Pastor Paul's guest today as the two of them discuss the topic of domestic abuse and how we all can learn to recognize and respond to victims which might even be in our church. And as you heard, might involve a man being a victim. We welcome you once again to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad you've joined us on Life Support. What we do on this program is we talk about difficult circumstances, things that happen in life that we don't often bring to the surface. But we know that God is in these things. We know that Christ redeems. And so we want to bring hope and encouragement and education. And I'm so glad you've joined us. My guest is Katie Shalman, and she is the Community uh, Engagement Coordinator for Southern Valley Alliance. And Katie, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. What is Southern Valley Alliance? Yes, the Southern Valley Alliance is a nonprofit organization that provides services and support for victims and survivors of domestic abuse in Carver and Scott counties of Minnesota. And this is the perfect time to have you, right? Yeah, it is. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is a great opportunity to be out in the community raising awareness and letting individuals know about the services that are available. That's that's really good that you're doing that because this is a much more pervasive problem than I think people give it credit for. Give me those numbers again of how many women, how many men are currently undergoing some kind of abuse. Yeah, so nationally it's one in three women and one in four men. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a church of 1,000 people, 250 people have some experience with this. Exactly. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's very easy for us to think, well, this doesn't happen in my community. It doesn't happen in my own backyard. I don't know anyone that's experienced abuse, but chances are that your neighbor or even one of your relatives, somebody within your church, the person that you're sitting next to has experienced some form of abuse without maybe disclosing it to you, but it's something that's part of their story. But we have this don't ask, don't tell policy in churches far too often. You know, it's like we're, we're all having a nice worship service here. And uh, I might shake your hand. I might say, how you doing? I might even be forced to greet you if the pastor says so. Um, but I, I likely I likely don't want to get so messy as to ask somebody really what's going on or pull somebody aside and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm noticing some things I don't like. Um, how do we get past that? How do we get past that mask wearing? That's a good question. And I don't know if I have the answer. I don't know if I have the answer of how we get past that mask wearing. I think it's something that every person has to work on individually. Like as a church, we are called to be something that's modeled more like an emergency room than anything else. Yeah. So how can we be the church like Jesus shows us in the Bible and wear these masks? I think that they kind of 
butt heads with one another. So truly mm-hmm. seeing like how how did Jesus move? How did he operate? He got in the mess. Yeah. So I think the best thing that we can do as every individual, Jesus calls us to be like him. So the best thing that we can do to try and remove this facade and take these things off and to be the church is to be more like him. Yeah, that's it's really good advice. And I think that the, there's a lot of fear involved with wearing those masks because mm-hmm. if we do get involved with someone's life, we, we really don't know what to do. We don't know how long it will take. We don't know what we're going to be called by God to do. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's just easier to, you know, float through there. And it it doesn't mean that we're bad people. It means we just don't understand sometimes, you know, what God is calling us to do. But you gave numbers um, about men. And this is something I think I was really surprised by when I heard about it. I know, I, I've known guys um, that I suspected were, were undergoing some kind of uh, emotional abuse. But you don't really think of that off the top of your head, but the numbers right. aren't that different. Right, one in three and one in four. So what does it look like when a man is undergoing or or being abused? Yeah, so when a man is experiencing abuse, like we've talked about a little bit earlier, anyone, anywhere, anytime can experience abuse. And abuse is all about having that power and control over another individual. And I think media and things that we've seen in TV and movies and books, they show us that abuse is only physical. That's the only thing, that's the only way people are experiencing abuse. But that's just not the truth. There are so many different forms of abuse that extend beyond physical battery. And so when we think of the things that we've seen in TV, it's usually a man being physical towards a woman. But a woman can be physical towards a man. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Mm -hmm. But then thinking about all these other different forms of abuse that can be emotional abuse, that can be manipulation, that can be psychological abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, cultural abuse, Mm -hmm. digital abuse. There are so many different forms of abuse that can be used to gain and maintain having power and control over another person. It's not a gender problem. There's a lot of information about gender-related crimes, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm saying, yes, the majority of victims of abuse and violence are women, and the majority of perpetrators are men, but it can happen mm-hmm. to anyone, anywhere. And there is femicides. There are a lot of female homicides, especially when we look at intimate partner violence. So I don't want to discount or discredit any of that because that really is happening, but it's also happening to those who are male. Yeah. So when you talk about um, these intimate relationships that um, go through this, uh, what did COVID do Hmm. um, to speed this process along or heighten it? Yeah. Um, Because it seems like COVID unearthed a lot of things. Yeah. For sure. Um, So at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we as a society had never gone through a pandemic before. So being domestic abuse providers, um, awareness providers, service providers, we didn't really know what to expect. We kind of were like, well, we anticipate our numbers to increase. And towards the beginning of the pandemic, we saw like a complete drop in services, which we were kind of astonished by. Like, what is happening This is kind of concerning what's going on. And as we got a little bit farther along in the pandemic and started learning a little bit more, realized that people were stuck at home with their abusers. Mm -hmm. They didn't have an opportunity to give a phone call to an agency like ours or reach out to, you know, help, seek help. And as we began to realize that and things in communities began to open up more, calls began to increase. 
to our crisis line. Um, but during that lull where we saw a dip in service service needs, um, we saw an increase in service needs from law enforcement. So instead of having that opportunity to maybe reach out to a twenty four seven line like ours and just ask some questions, it was more emergency situations. Um, domestic abuse, like I mentioned before, is a learned behavior and a choice, but there are things that can increase those risk factors um, from happening more frequently. Mm-hmm. So stress. The pandemic added a lot of stress, financial concern. Pandemic added a lot of financial concern, loss of jobs. Many people lost their jobs. So it was like this perfect storm of risk factors adding on top of one another um, for us to see more frequency in these instances of abuse. Um, But none of them are the cause of abuse, if that makes sense. Yes, I do understand. Yeah. Um, Right now, our world is so angry and... um, you know the the, um, the 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 things that are happening on our streets. You know the 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 anti-Semitism, all, all of it is so terrible. Um, is this going to add to the abuse problem, or are they two separate two separate I entities? I think it's two separate things. But like I said before, any additional increase any stressors can trigger can, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can add, but the behavior itself is something that comes from it's separate, mm-hmm. separate, yeah. yeah. And how does someone gain that um, knowledge or that desire to abuse? Is it a, a learned behavior because of what's happened at home as when they were growing up? That kind of thing. So it can be. So, like I said, learned behavior and choice. So maybe they saw it growing up in their home. They think that it's normal or okay. You know, I saw it in my home, and I thought that it was normal. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is my future. This is what my relationships are going to look like. Um, so it could be that, or you know, could be glamorized in media, just what they're watching, what they're seeing. Well, if this is happening in this movie, and I, I idolize or I look up to this character, and they're doing these things, and it's okay, then that's okay for me. And then ultimately, it comes to this want and this desire of having power and control over somebody or something else and thinking that unequal relationships are ideal and okay because I'm able to have that power that I want. Yeah. What is I it? do. Can I say yeah, one quick thing? Of course. Back to talking about the pandemic. So yeah. it we did see our numbers decrease towards the beginning. Um, but then as things began to open up, we saw a significant increase. So nationally, there was a 9% increase for domestic abuse services. And our organization, just serving two counties here in Minnesota, um, have seen our crisis line numbers more than double in the last two years. Wow. So definitely something that has increased our need for services. And we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Wow. Sorry. Just wanted to make sure I got that in. Oh, that's 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 really helpful. Pastor Paul will be back with Katie in just a minute on the Life Support Podcast. Uncomfortable topics like this one on domestic abuse are discussed. It's about trauma, and if you'd like to dig deeper and learn how you can better come alongside those who suffer, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. All resources are offered at no cost to you, and all you have to do is register. And now, back to Pastor Paul. 
So it can be. So like I said, learned behavior and choice. So maybe they saw it growing up in their home. They think that it's normal or okay. You know, I saw it in my home and I thought that it was normal. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is my future. This is what my relationships are going to look like. Um, so it could be that or, you know, could be glamorized in media, just what they're watching, what they're seeing. Well, if this is happening in this movie and I, I idolize or I look up to this character and they're doing these things and it's okay, then that's okay for me. And then ultimately it comes to this want and this desire of having power and control over somebody or something else and thinking that unequal relationships are ideal and okay because I'm able to have that power that I want. Yeah. What is I do – can I say yeah, one quick thing? Of course. Back to talking about the pandemic. So yeah. it we did see our numbers decrease towards the beginning, um, but then as things began to open up, we saw a significant increase. So nationally, there was a 9% increase for domestic abuse services. And our organization, just serving two counties here in Minnesota, um, have seen our crisis line numbers more than double in the last two years. Wow. So definitely something that has increased our need for services, and we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Wow. Sorry, just wanted to make sure I got that in. Oh, that's 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 really helpful. Um, if there is someone um, listening right now um, who understands that they're being controlled, hmm. and sometimes that control probably is pretty pervasive. It goes uh, goes to computer usage, phone usage, all those kinds of things. How do they reach out if they feel like if I dial that phone, uh, this abuser is going to look at our bill? If I hop on the computer and Google this, they're going to find out. Mm-hmm. So how does someone get free of that and be able to contact you? It's really, it's it's challenging and it's complex. And I would say that if there are people listening or um, that might be experiencing abuse or concerned for a family member or a friend, the biggest thing is what can we do to help encourage and empower them to know that it's okay to break the silence. Mm -hmm. And that might be thinking of one person in your life and in abusive situations, more times than not, they're extremely isolated from their support systems. But who is one person in your life that you know that you can go to that has your back in any situation, any circumstances? It's a family member, a friend, a neighbor. Who can you go to? Who can you turn to? And try and have a conversation with them. Say, these are the things I'm experiencing. I don't really know what to do. I don't know what it looks like yet. But I know something's just not quite right here. And that I would encourage the community just to know if people are coming forward to you and saying things like that, get connected with your local domestic abuse agency. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say necessarily connect that victim with the agency because there's a whole lot of safety that goes into play. There's a lot of gray area things. Um, But you yourself can become educated and know about, okay, they came to me, they have these questions. I can then go back to this victim, this person that's experiencing abuse and let them know that I am a safe place. I've done a little bit of education. I've got a little bit of background information. I know about a safety plan. I know about what a harassment restraining order is. I know what an order for protection is. I can come and bring some of this information information to them. Let them know that there are resources available and also offer things like, you know, when you're ready to leave, whatever that looks like. I know about this organization in our community that can provide some safe options for you. I'm happy to store a discreet go bag at my house for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe this has an emergency 911 phone or a mm-hmm. track phone that mm-hmm. can't be detected by the abuser with an overnight's bag of clothes, some shampoo, conditioner, um, and maybe some important legal documents like your passport or birth certificate. Um, but gathering a lot of these things 
safety comes into play, especially if you're experiencing these high levels of control. Um, So seeking information or Googling what is a safety plan, going over that information, connecting with an agency like ours, talking about what safety plans are, because leaving an abusive relationship or trying to leave an abusive relationship is usually the most dangerous time. So there's a lot of things that come into play and a lot of things we got to think about as supporters, as helpers, as individuals that might be experiencing abuse and even um, pastors. Yeah. That can be like, what can I do as a pastor? You know, so there's a lot of things that come into play and I think it's a little bit more complex than we can just answer today. But sure. I would say start by doing some research. But don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to do it yourself. Because you're going to be known just enough to be dangerous. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, when you talk about that kind of level of, of control, it does explain a lot why women pr- predominantly stay in these relationships mm-hmm. because there is such a high risk factor. Yeah, there's so many reasons why somebody might stay in an abusive relationship. And I think we as helpers, we as faith leaders, as neighbors, as siblings of people experiencing abuse, we want to jump in and fix it. Yeah. And it's not that easy. Yeah. It, and it's actually really dangerous if we go in with that mentality and that mind frame. So we have to really be thinking of this person is the expert of their life. They know what this abuse entails. They know what they can do day to day to survive, to get through. They're the expert. I can get some additional resources on what domestic abuse is, but they're the expert in their life. So I'm going to say, here's some resources. Mm-hmm. I encourage you and empower you to make these decisions, and I'm with you 100% of the way, even if right now that means you're choosing to stay because we have to do safety plan X, Y, Z. We have to right. make sure that when it's time to leave, we do it safely. Yeah, and and – that's where the experts come in because when you talk about you know putting together a safety kit or a mm-hmm. go kit, I think you called it, you know already you're into an area where the person who's being abused is already into this, uh, has to be thinking, well this isn't what I've been taught to do, mm-hmm. this is this is underhanded, this is behind my spouse's back or whatever the yeah. case might be, and somebody has to be saying no, you have to protect yourself, mm-hmm. and I wonder. Um, if we need to start teaching this to to kids, students, you know, we're always we're always preaching um, purity, which is good. And I'm not a youth pastor, though I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. But um, we're always we're always preaching purity to kids. That's great. But are we teaching them, you know, how to behave in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Are we teaching them what kind of person do you need to stay away from? If this is happening right now in your dating relationship, you need to come and get help. I, I don't think you can probably on one hand count the youth pastors that are into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's actually really great that you bring up youth specifically. So one in three adolescents, one in three people under the age of 18 have already experienced some form of abuse. Wow. And 1.5 million high school students last year alone were physically harmed by a dating partner. Wow. So it's extremely prevalent. Like, yeah. I, like I feel like I'm a broken record. Continue no, to say it can happen no. anywhere, anytime, yeah. to anyone, and that's mm-hmm. true. And that's a huge part of my role within our organization. So a lot of prevention education, going into schools, going into youth groups, and talking about what a healthy relationship is. And that doesn't have to even be a romantic relationship. Just how do we be a good friend? How do we be a good family member? What does that look like? What are these things that we can be striving for, these choices mm-hmm. towards healthy behaviors? And then what are some of those things that we can be looking out for that could be red flags of things that are unhealthy? And like 
we said before, 100% of us are going to do unhealthy things. But being able to identify those unhealthy things and say, that was not a good choice and I can do better. I'm going to do better in the future. It's super important for us to be teaching our kiddos for sure. Yeah, and as you're teaching a biblical worldview, um, well, these are the things that – that it's okay to do to protect yourself. You know, this is what, you know, the Bible generally is going to teach this, but let's look at how Jesus teaches those who are oppressed. Let's look at how he confronts people who are abusing other people. And um, this is what you're worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we need to take kids right back to Genesis and talk about being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if we are deep enough in churches to even go there sometimes. Because we're always floating along on the surface. We're using some curriculum that is never going to talk about abuse because it's not fun. It's not comfortable. Yeah. You, you we know, don't want to be in the mess. No. And it doesn't, you know, you can't play a game where you're, you're spraying each other with whipped cream and then go in and hear about abuse, you know. And, um, but it seems to me that these kids need to know um, how, to, how, to, how to act themselves, how to protect themselves. And when you do get married someday, if that's what God calls you to do, Here's what you need to be watching for, because this could still happen to you, even if you marry a great person, and it's okay to do this, this, mm-hmm. and this. And yeah. Because, man, if, if we paint this picture of if you stay pure and if you do all the things that we're telling you to do, everything's going to turn out great in your life, then that person's going to be really confused about a lot of things, because mm-hmm. life rarely turns out the way we think it's going to. Exactly. So I think what you're doing is is really, really important. And I think that to teach church leaders and pastors at least that first step. And um, because I've been in those situations where, you know, someone comes forward, and my first reaction is always, okay, how can I keep this this woman safe? Mm-hmm. And it's usually a woman that comes with her kids or, or by herself. Um, but I don't often have resources right at my fingertips. So I've learned something today for sure, and that is to get those resources at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your your organization covers two counties in Minnesota. Um, but if somebody's listening right now and they're going like, I don't live mm-hmm. in Minnesota, mm-hmm. can they can they get on your website or call up and go like, hey, can you help me find somebody? Yeah, we'd yeah. be happy to give you those resources. Um, so again, our website is svamn.org. But you can also go to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, it's I think it's just the hotline.org. That is the national organization that provides these services and also has the information for every state. And there are state good. nationwide coalitions that we're part of, like the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the National Network to End Domestic Violence. There are so many resources available online. No matter where you live, there are these services available that are free and um, just looking for people like you to get involved to make a difference. And these are professionals that you can trust, right? Yes. You can 100%. call and you can... Or you can get online or whatever, and you can trust the fact they're going to keep it confidential. Mm-hmm. And um, if you got to trust somebody sometime mm-hmm. to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any idea how many women, for example, never get out of these relationships and just stay in them? Is that, is that, is that the, the majority? I don't know the exact number. Yeah. But some information that I do know is on average it takes 12 to 15 times for somebody to leave an abusive relationship for good. Wow. Um, and domestic abuse is one of the most underreported crimes. So you, we don't, you really don't even know. We don't know. So like talking about all of these statistics that we're sharing, these are the ones that we can confirm and we know of. 
Like this yeah. is just what we know. We don't know what we don't know. All you can do is just keep trying to inform, educate, mm-hmm. and and get around and, and do the best you can. What you're yeah. doing right now, you're a very busy person. I'm glad you joined us. Give me the website again. Yeah, svamn.org. That is for Southern Valley Alliance. And again, visit the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is the hotline.org. If you want more information, if you're living in Minnesota, Violence Free Minnesota is another great place to go. Um, but there are resources, no matter where you live, that are free and confidential to provide these services and supports. You're a guitar player, right? I play bass, yeah. Oh, you play bass? Yes. So are you going to bring that in next time we have you, and you're going to do a little, like, uh, bass solo? Sure. <laughs> and we can... Um, and next time we got to talk about Steiger Ministries, which I know you're involved with. Yes. And um, yep. what a wonderful ministry that is to it reach is. the youth culture. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm really glad you dropped by. You're doing great work. Thanks a lot for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, and if you're listening right now and you're thinking that, um, wow, this could be me or um, I might be the one doing it and I'm and I'm just lost. Um, Lamentations 3.24 is a good reminder. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So, you know, you're never without hope. You are truly never alone. You may need to take some difficult steps to um, either correct your behavior or get yourself out of a dangerous situation, but you never have to doubt that God is in it. And sometimes I think as Christians— we have this view of God kind of looking down at us and scowling and wondering why we're not acting the way he wants us to. And and if we say that, he's going to be angry. Well, that's really bad theology because God has already um, given his son to die for you, knowing everything that's going to happen to you, everything you're going to do. And so even if you are, you're starting to identify the fact that you have abusive tendencies, you could still be forgiven. You can still get help. And so I would encourage you to do that as well. And I really appreciate uh, Katie being here with us today. And I'm thankful to our partners that help make this program possible. Faith Radio is wonderful. They give us this platform on KTIS and uh, around the country at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video portion of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. You can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. And thanks so much for listening to Life Support. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support